Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. New from Stitcher comes Lost at the Smithsonian, a pop culture history podcast exploring the little known stories behind iconic artifacts from the National Museum of American History. Follow host Asif Mandvi from The Daily Show inside the National Museum of American History as he shares smart and fascinating insights into cultural items like Fonzie's leather jacket and Dorothy's ruby slippers. Along with National Museum of American History curators and celebrities, Asif traces just how these special objects came to define our culture. Listen and subscribe to Lost at the Smithsonian right now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 228, and today we are talking about books being released on October 1st, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's good. We're here on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, yeah, things are feeling a little fast and loose here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. That's okay, though. Yep. So Going through the weekend, going to talk about some books. Yeah. But you had an exciting adventure. I did. I went to Cozumel. I got certified as an open water scuba diver. So that was really fun. I read some good books on the beach. I finally read City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert, and it was wonderful. And I read some other things that I didn't love as much, (laughs) and it was a good time. And I'm back from my adventure. I managed to not really get too sunburned, which is always an accomplishment, wow. as you know. How about freckles? Ginger. Freckles are the thing that bother me the most. Not on other oh, people, just yeah. me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't mind getting new freckles, but like, I don't know how it managed to happen because I wore SPF 75 on my face every day and I was like under a big straw hat and under an umbrella and I still got a lot of new freckles, probably from all that time out in the water. Yeah. Um, and like reflections off things, you know? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like a real mermaid now. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I can tell like when I get a new freckle, like every summer at the beginning of the summer, I have a new freckle. I'm like, here it is. Here's the new one. Like last year I got one. one right above my lip and I kept trying to rub it off. It was crazy. But, oh, yeah. but Pete is always like, how do you know? Like, how can you tell? <laughs> Only because I have to see my face all the time. Yeah. When they're on your face and yeah. one just appears, it's like, oh yeah, that was a new one. <laughs> yeah. Here's my new freckle for the year. You know, like one year there was like one of my tragus. I was just like, yep, new freckle. It's, so you know, um, I went to the beach for like two seconds last week, not for mm-hmm. swimming or anything ex- other than to take a picture of the Penguin Book of Mermaids that is coming out. Cause I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to take a picture of this at the water. And uh, I made a little video of it, like, blowing, like, the pages are blowing in the wind. And then I fell off the rocks into, like, (laughs) knee-deep into kelp. And, like, I left the video up on the internet because you can hear me go, okay, I'm also, ah! Yeah, I, I missed I fell. that. I'm glad your phone <laughs> survived that adventure. Yeah, I, I just felt like, st- and I stepped down, like, both okay. feet into it. So it was good. Because I was like, oh, thank goodness my phone was fine. 
Um, well, thank goodness you're fine. That's yeah. a big surprise. To I was like picking happen. seaweed out of my shoes and my <laughs> pants like for the rest of the morning. <laughs> it was fun though. That was as close as I got to the water uh, in many years. Like just listening to you talk about your adventures while they did involve sharks and cool things, like gave me a stomach ache. I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Well, now we're safely on land and we can talk about something that makes you comfortable. Yes, like scary books. books. (laughs) Speaking of scary books, our sponsor today is Imaginary Friend by Stephen Chbosky. It's about single mother Kate and her son Christopher. They think that they have finally found a place to settle down. It's the small community of Mill Grove. But then Christopher vanishes for six awful days. And when he finally emerges from the woods at the edge of town, he is unharmed, but not unchanged. There's a voice in his head that only he can hear, with a mission that he knows about and only he can complete. He needs to build a treehouse in the woods by Christmas, or his mother and everyone in town will never be the same. That's a lot of pressure. That's mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a big pressure. So if you probably know Stephen Chbosky, he is the critically acclaimed author of the number one New York Times bestseller, The Perks of Being a Wallflower. That was on like the New York Times list a For year. a long yeah. time. Um, readers have been anxiously awaiting his sophomore novel. Uh, just hold on to something when I say this. It's been 20 years since The Perks <laughs> of Being a Wallflower came out. It's making me feel old. Yeah, so this is only his his second novel, uh, but it's an epic work. I mean, it's huge. It's really big. It's like 800 pages. I remember the, when I got it, I was like, holy cats, it's so big. But it's it's an epic work of literary horror that follows, th- follows Christopher and his haunted voice in his head. And he drew his story from his early love of horror novels and Stephen King novels, which are kind of the same, but also he's in his own class there, Stephen King. Um, He drew on them for inspiration, but it is also suffused with a heart and empathy that Perks fans can expect. So that is Imaginary Friend by Stephen Chbosky. It's out today. It is available wherever books are sold, and we will have a link to it in the show notes. All right. All right. Like, some, you know, if I have to read a book, the bigger the better. Like, I'm never like, oh, that book is too big. For me, personally. I know a lot of people are like, big books, but (laughs) I love a big book. Love it. So, my first pick has to do with books as well. And Mm -hmm. just like, I'm just going to tell you the title and like, why wouldn't you buy it right there? Right? You ready? Yep. It's The Library of the Unwritten, a novel from Hell's Library. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. By A.J. Hackwith. (laughs) Straight from the Liberty Hardy wheelhouse. Right? Hell books. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say like when I saw it, like when I first received it and I opened it up, I th- thought for like a split second it was a library at Mount Char sequel because the cover mm-hmm. is very similar and it had library in the title and I was like, <gasps> but it's not. I don't know when we're getting one of those. Um, but this is awesome on its own. It's a little bit like hmm, I'd say it's a little bit like Thursday Next, like Jasper Ford um, meets Good Omens. Okay. And with some Doctor Who and some other... It's amazing. So there is Claire. She is the head librarian uh, of the Unwritten Wing, which, while is located in Hell, it's just kind of coincidental. It's sort of a neutral zone. Um, it's, it's like Hell's library, but like her part is like separate. Um, and... She has a backstory how she ended up there, but I'm not going to share it with you. You have to learn it yourself. So she's a librarian here, head librarian. Um, and what it is is the unwritten wing are all the unfinished works of authors who have passed away. Like, if they didn't finish oh, wow. the book, it goes to this library. Now, as you can imagine, if you're unfinished, you're kind of restless. So these books 
you know, they, they've got a lot going on. Um, and so it's Claire's job to keep track of them and make sure that they don't get into any trouble. Um, but then a character from one of the books escapes. Like they do, you know. And so Claire has to go and retrieve him. She takes her assistant, who is a muse, at one, or was a muse. Um, she takes the demon courier that they have. He's a very nervous fellow. And they go looking for um, the character that escapes. They call him Hero. So they they have to go to Earth to find him. And everything becomes so much more complicated than they were expecting. Uh, they go to Earth, they locate him, but they run into an angel, but a scary angel. And, like, if you've seen Good Omens or read Good Omens or a lot of things, you know, like, angels, feathers and white robes and all that, they're actually kind of mean and scary on occasion. Uh, and this one is a bad one. Ramiel, he is a bad one. He thinks, for some reason, that they are on Earth to retrieve the devil's Bible, because that's what he's looking for. So he's come down from heaven to look for the devil's Bible. Uh, and so they weren't, but now they are, because psh, that should not be out, you know? And also, how embarrassing for hell to have lost their Bible. So, you know, Lucifer's going to be mad when he finds out. Uh, so they've decided that they need to retrieve this before the angel Ramiel does... And because, like, there's going to be a war between heaven and hell, because isn't there always... Um, but that will, like, affect the earth. So they need to do this good thing and find the book. Um, this is the first in a series. There are some loose ends, but pfft, time goes by so fast. Hello, 20 years since Perks of Being a Wallflower came out. Yeah. You know? So, like, you know, you'll read some other things in between, and boom, the second one will be here. Um, it's so much fun. So it is The Library of the Unwritten, a novel from Hell's Library by A.J. Hackwith. Well, just to continue our theme of books straight from our wheelhouses, <laughs> my <laughs> first pick this week is Erosion, Essays of Undoing by Terry Tempest Williams. It comes out next week on October 8th, but I was not going to let anyone else talk about no. this book on this show. This was mine. I claimed it months ago. I love Terry Tempest Williams. And if I, if you're new here, which is the only way that you would not know that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she is a wonderful writer, a conservationist, an actor activist, a poet. Uh, and this is, as the title indicates, a collection of essays that are all functionally about our relationship to land, um, our relationship to terrain, our relationship to the environment, and how those things inform our understandings of ourselves, our relationships, um, how, you know, how we live in the world and how we shape the world and sort of the back and forth of all of those kinds of things. Um, she talks about erosion of like the physical sense of erosion of the land, but also changes in ourselves, erosion of the self erosion of things that we believe. Um, one of the through lines of her life story is of um, having grown up in the Mormon church and rejecting a lot of those teachings, but also still feeling very connected to some of the spiritual nature of it and dealing with the identity stuff that uh, is all tied up in that. Um, and so there are pieces here about... Um about all kinds of things, um, about like Bears Ears National Monuments. Um, there is a tea ceremony that she participates in uh, right after, it's either right after the 2016 election or the inauguration. I can't remember when they do that. And um, sort of try to be in a sacred place out in the desert in a really difficult emotional and political moment. And of course, a lot of this writing is inherently um, political. Um, she writes about... Um, she and her husband, Brooke, have purchased some land uh, out in Utah specifically to protect it from um, 
having oil rigs placed on it, and she's involved in a lot of activism. Her writing is activism in many ways. And there are um, sort of also pieces interwoven throughout that are like letters to the editor that she's written uh, to local publications and to national ones about her ideas and her activism regarding the environment and conservation. And those are reprinted here. Um, so there's, that's the common thing that collect, that collects and organizes all of these pieces. Um, but there are a lot of, there's just a lot of different tones throughout. You get a, a look at, a, at many different parts of her life. There is a really wonderful, but also like five alarm snot bomb essay about um, the day that they are saying goodbye to a beloved dog that they know is dying um, and preparing preparing for that and then being with him as his life ends that like I was not aware that that was coming for me in this essay collection and it I, I I'm, it was beautiful um, but also here is your fair warning that there is a piece in this about the dog dying um, I just have so much respect for Terry Tempest Williams and so much appreciation for the passion that she brings for the way that it's clear she really feels called to use her voice to do something and to use her words to do something and her commitment to the environment and her commitment to conservation. Um, I found like the collection, I think if you're not just super interested in environmentalism um, is maybe not going to be universally like interesting or relevant to you. But if you like her voice, you're going to want to read all of the pieces. And of course that's a wonderful thing about an essay collection too, is that you can dip in and out. Um, But I just love that she approaches the political, she approaches the practical things that we need to do to protect the world, but all within the framework of um, nature as sacred and nature as something that we have a duty to and that we should honor, that um, the world is not just a tool and that our natural resources are not just resources, um, but something that we are charged with being stewards of. I really appreciate that framework and she brings that to all of these. So You can look forward to picking this book up next week. I really, really loved it. It's Erosion, Essays of Undoing by Terry Tempest Williams. Woohoo! Very exciting. I did not know that about the dog essay either. I did not read it yet because, you know, I knew you were going to talk about it, so Mm -hmm. I haven't fit it in. I can't wait to read it, but I will be looking out for that now. Yeah, it's like the second or third story, and it does tell you, or second or third piece, and it does tell you, like, very quickly that that's what the piece is going to be about. Yeah. Um, So, but just if you have your reading momentum and you're like, on to the next (laughs) essay. (laughs) Yeah, that'll ruin your day. Yeah. It, It was lovely, but I just was glad that I, like, could take a beat and not be too surprised by it. Yeah. So, uh, my next pick, um, I'm just going to say this right now, the, it's a memoir and it's about sexual assault. So, um, if that's something that you don't want to listen to, um, I would suggest skipping ahead a few minutes. I'll try not to drag it out, but the entire discussion that I'm going to bring up is, uh, in regards to sexual assault. Um, it is called things we didn't talk about when I was a girl by Jeannie Venasco. Um, And so when Jeannie was young, she had a friend named Mark, not his real name, um, but when she was a teenager, she met a boy at her school named Mark. Uh, They became fast friends, like totally platonic, um, because, uh, you know, society would have you believe that men and women can't be friends. It's not true. Um, And so he was like one of her closest friends. They were both really, really smart and nerdy, and she hung out at his house all the time and knew his family, and they were very close for like many years. Um, And then uh, one night... When she was in college, they were both in college, uh, she passed out and Mark carried her down to the basement and raped her. Um, And 
at first he denied that it happened, you know, because she, cause she couldn't, she was in shock and she kind of woke up when it was happening. You know, and first he denied, he said that she dreamt the whole thing. He, was, he told her that she had imagined the whole thing. But then eventually admitted that, yes, it was what happened. And, like, here is one of her best friends, like, telling her that he, like, he, or not telling her, but, like, he did this thing, you know, and she, she didn't know, like, how to handle it. And she, she forgave him. She said that she forgave him. And they continued to, like, hang out in the same places for a while um, until, you know, they kind of went their own ways because this was between them now. And so she was like, you know, here's this thing that happens and whatever. But 14 years later, she's having nightmares all the time Mm -hmm. about this happening to her. Um, And she feels like she has unforgiven him, you know, like... Um, you know, it was, it was like a really strange, like strange experience for her. She didn't know what to do. And again, it was her best friend. Mm -hmm. So she decides to contact him. She decides to contact him and she asks him if he will meet with her and talk about it. And he, and he agrees. He says it's the least that he can do. Uh, because she wants to know. Um, you know, she knows how this has been affecting her and how she hasn't been dealing with it. And obviously she's you know, having nightmares. She wants to know how it has affected him, like what he thinks about what he did, you know, what he's been doing in his life. Um, I think if I remember, I read this a long time ago, he dropped out of college. Um, you know, he's working, you know, in a, in a camera store or something, um, you know, and so she's examining, like, if a good person does a bad thing, are they still a good person? Were they mm-hmm. ever a good person if they have it in them to do this thing? Um, because, you know, sexual assault happens all the time, all the time. It's like for every thousand cases of it, 250 are reported, 40 go to trial and six people, six people are prosecuted. You know, that's ridiculous. And so she looks at like the language that people use in regards to sexual assault and, you know, stigmas and the way people behave, you know, like she's, you know, like was like, why was I still friends with him after it happened? And not only that, but, like, she told her friends what happened, and they were like, that's terrible, but then they still continued to hang out with him, still invite her to parties where he was going to be, you know, and she's trying to, like, figure out, like, why she she put up with that, why she agreed to that, um, you know, and also, like, um, they, we saw a lot of this with the case of um, Chantel Miller, who, whose book just came out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what qualifies as sexual assault? Like, there are some specifics that I'm not going to go into um, about what happened to her. And she's like, you know, what quali- Like, what, am I, I'm, like, wrong in thinking this? Um, so it's like a part memoir. It's part true crime. Um, and she talks about, at the beginning, like, she feels like she couldn't write this book without him. Like, this was this was the hook for the book. Otherwise, you know, she would be writing another memoir about a terrible thing that, that happened to a woman. Um, and so she, you know, almost feels lucky that he agreed to do it. Um, it's just, it's devastating. <laughs> it's absolutely, it sounds like it. it's absolutely devastating, but it, it needs to be talked about. It's incredible. I mean, it, it's on like every list, you know, of the year, you know, like, it, it, I mean, her writing is amazing. The, the questions that she asks are amazing. Um, uh, you know, Almost all my friends were guys, you know, when I was young. So, mm-hmm. like, to, um, like, even conceive of something like this happening, you know, I, I can't. So, I mean, it, it's, there's so much going on and so many questions and things that are important and need to be discussed. Um, so, I'm going to stop talking about it now. Uh, but not because I didn't think it's amazing. It's Things We Didn't Talk About When I Was a Girl by Jeannie Venasco. 
Well, we're going to continue a little bit on that theme with my next pick. But first, our next sponsor is Rebel by Marie Lu. Respect the legend, idolize the prodigy, celebrate the champion, but never underestimate the rebel. With unmatched suspense and her signature cinematic storytelling, the number one New York Times bestselling author Marie Lu plunges readers back into the unforgettable world of legend for a truly grand finale. This is the fourth and final book in a blockbuster bestselling series. And like really blockbuster, the legend series has sold over 3 million copies and is published in over 30 countries. Fans have been hoping and asking and waiting for another legend book and now it's finally here marie never planned to write another book but the idea just wouldn't let her go and she knew there was more story to tell so she returns to the world of her best-selling most beloved series this new book rebel reunites us with our favorite characters on a totally unexpected and thrilling adventure so that's rebel by marie lou it is out now wherever books are sold and if you've been waiting for the series to be finished so you could start it well good news for you woohoo All right. Uh, My next pick came out a couple of weeks ago. There were not advanced copies of it. um, So I have been working my way through it since it got published. It's called She Said, Breaking the Sexual Harassment Story That Helped Ignite a Movement. It's by Jody Cantor and Megan Tuohy, who are the New York Times reporters that broke the Harvey Weinstein case that uh, basically kicked off the Me Too movement in 2017. And this book is in incredible. Um, There was not much talk about it before it was published and there weren't advanced copies. And I'm on the record on the Book Riot podcast being like, I don't know if this book is going to be a big deal or not because I don't know anything about it because no one's talking about it. Um, But it's like Bad, it's as good as bad blood. Um, it's as compelling as that in a story of not just how reporting is done, but sort of all the behind the scenes pieces of the reporting over the course of like a year um, that it takes to go from the very first time that Jody Cantor and Megan Tuohy have an inkling that there might be something to tell about Harvey Weinstein to the day that the first story gets published. The process of collecting evidence, the process of interviewing people, of trying to get them to go on the record of um, getting people from inside the Weinstein company to talk to them and um, gradually putting together the story that they were able to put together is really, really remarkable. There are times that um, it's scary, like you're kind of scared and nervous for them. They do some very brave and bold things. uh, And it's just it's bonkers good. I um, have been listening to it and I'm driving around like, oh my God. Um, they also pick up later in the book um, following a- another big sort of Me Too story um, that now is just a year old. I'm talking about Christine Blasey Ford, who testified against Brett Kavanaugh when he was um, nominated for the Supreme Court, ultimately confirmed to the Supreme Court, but telling her story of being sexually assaulted by him in high school. And they got additional interviews with her and have talked with her about what that experience was like, what led her to share her story, what it's been like since then, and all of that. It's just so compelling. Like This is journalism that is changing the world. These are two women who are changing the world with their work and getting to read or listen to them talk about how they did it is it's just really, really fascinating. Um, I don't love the title or the cover of the book. I think it needed to be like much flashier um, and taken much more seriously um, 
than it seemed to have been taken in like the run up to the publication, but it seems to be selling very, very well. And I couldn't be happier about that. So if you've been also wondering, like, what is this book? Is it hard hitting? Yes, it's real hard hitting. Um, Really, really incredible. And it's just a wonderful, um, like thrilling page turnery story as well of how they crack this case. Um, And then the work that they do after that, um, to continue moving the movement forward of exposing men who have been um, using their power, abusing their power, and all of the other people and systems that are in place that have helped them cover it up and kept them in power and protected them. And um, Jody Cantor and Megan Tui are working to dismantle that by dragging the truth out. It's just phenomenal. So that's She Said by Jody Cantor and Megan Tui. Um, if you're an audiobook person, really terrific on audio. All right. Mm-hmm. My next pick, um, trigger warnings for a discussion of assault and child harm. Um, I got some dark ones today, apparently. <laughs> um, but it's so good. It's one of the best YA debuts that I've read this year. It is called The Good Luck Girls, and it's by Charlotte Nicole Davis. Uh, it was pitched as Westworld meets The Handmaid's Tale. Um, everything is pitched as the, something The Handmaid's Tale now, which seems to be like the catch-all comp for horrible things happening to girls and women. Um, Maybe someday we'll pick a different, you know, book to compare things to. Um, But, so it takes place in the country of Arqueta, and there are five girls who are the main characters. Um, They work at what is called a welcome house, which sounds much nicer than it is. They've been there since they were children. Uh, They were branded with these sort of mystical, like, symbols um, that have to do with, like, their culture and the world. Um, it's, it's a bit supernatural. And when they are 16, the girls get to get a promotion, which is called being a sundown girl, which, again, not, not great. Um, and so Clementine, the main character, is, is turning 16. Uh, and so she is given to a customer who is called a brag, and she accidentally kills him. No, oh. no tears are shed. Like, do not feel bad for this man. Um, and so she realizes that because in this male-dominated world that they live in uh, and the the welcome house, um, she's going to be executed for what happened. So she grabs her sister, Aster, and her three friends, Manzi, Tallow, and Violet, and they run away from this house. Uh, And they're looking for Lady Ghost because Lady Ghost has the power to remove the cursed markings from their bodies, which will enable them to flee to to avoid detection from the Raveners, who are sort of like these mystical males who have been keeping them at the house, um, and it also will help them uh, not be identified as good luck girls, which is what, I don't think I said that, they're called good luck girls, the, the women who live in this house. Um, and so they find a guy named Z who agrees to help them uh, escape and find Lady Ghost, and it's so much fun. Like, I, I, it, it is fun, but like, of course it sounds horrible, everything I just said was like, ah, terrible. Um, but, uh, so I feel like, hey, it's a great time. Um, but it's, it's so cool. It's like every once in a while, I'm just so stunned by how original people can be with everything that's already out there. Um, and this is Charlotte Nicole Davis's debut. Um, it's diverse. It's a diverse dystopian novel. It's a little queer. And it also hits on other important topics besides diversity and sexuality, such as sex slavery, sex work, misogyny, and more. It's quite amazing. There is a book coming out next week called Grace Year, which is also an amazing novel uh, that's sort of like The Handmaid's Tale. Um, So these two books 
that are just like two of the most powerful books that I've read this year. Um, so you want to look out for those. And The Good Luck Girls, it's amazing. It's by Charlotte Nicole Davis. The second one is in the works, but this one kind of wraps up a little more than, than um, the first book that I talked about. Uh, so yeah, check it out. All right. Uh, I have... A nice, happy life read for us next. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh, it's Royal Holiday by Jasmine Guillory. I just love her like romantic comedies is what these romance novels feel like. And this one is about Vivian Forrest. If you are reading the Jasmine Guillory books in order, Vivian is the mother of Maddie, who was one of the main characters in The Wedding Party, which came out uh, just a couple of months ago. Jasmine's writing fast. Uh, so Vivian is traveling to England. England with her daughter Maddie, sort of spur of the moment for the holidays. Maddie is a stylist, and one of Maddie's friends was supposed to be styling um, a character that is essentially a stand in for Meghan Markle. Um, for the holiday events that she had, but that friend can't do it. So Maddie gets called in and Maddie takes her mom. Her mom, Vivian, is a hardworking social worker. She is getting ready to take a big promotion. This is the first vacation she's had in a while and probably also the last vacation that she'll take for a while if she takes this fancy new job. And while they are staying in the English countryside in a really fancy, like, they call it a cottage, but it's a huge house that's just smaller than the other enormous house on the property. Um, while they're staying there, Vivian meets Malcolm Hudson, who is the Queen's personal secretary. And he is also dashing and very charming and they are taken with each other and so Malcolm like gives her a tour around the property and then they find excuses to write little notes to each other and spend more of the holidays together and it's a romance and so one thing leads to another and they like each other a whole lot. Um, it, this is just light and fun. Um, if you're a romance reader who wants a lot of sexy times on the page, there are not. Uh, this is basically closed door. It's definitely fade to black. Um, there's not much action on the page. It's just a really sweet story. Um, I also love it anytime we get a romance novel about people who aren't like 22 years old. Uh, and Jasmine Guillory has given us that this. Vivian and Malcolm are both in middle age in their, I think about in their 50s is what we're given to understand. And stories that take um, and that like that's not even old, but stories that take older characters seriously, both um, in their desires for connection and love and in being sexual human beings um, are not nearly as common as they should be. And I was really glad to see that happen. It's just sweet and lovely. And the conflict between them feels true to who these characters are, not too contrived. It was just a nice break in like in the serious stuff that I've been reading. Um, and I appreciate the world that Jasmine Guillory is building out with this series. So that's Royal Holiday by Jasmine Guillory. You also don't need to have read any of her other books to enjoy it. So there you go. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right, let me get serious again and bring everything All down. All right, fine. Take um, us home. This next pick, it's so unusual and wonderful. It's from an indie press, uh, Akashic Books, who are fantastic. I feel like I haven't talked about one of their books in a while, so I'm very excited to be able to talk about this novel. It's called A Tall History of Sugar by Cordelia Forbes. It is unbelievably unique and also crushing. It is set in Jamaica. It is about a man named Moshe Fisher. Um, he was found. There was a couple named Rachel and... Oh, I forgot to write the dad's name down. Ned, I think? Um, they are in... It's the 1950s in Jamaica... 
Um, they want children. They are unable to have children. Uh, at this time, you know, Rachel is very upset because her community just assumes if a couple doesn't have children that it's the woman's fault. Um, Ned is unwell. Uh, they, he has sores um, that don't heal for like years and years because they are um, around sugar plantations. And, and Forbes discusses, I've read about this a couple times in other books, uh, she discusses the history of sugar plantations um, on Jamaica, and it's it's just amazing because you have horrible slavery, and then on top of that, basically all the slaves had to eat was sugar. Like, if you eat lots of sugar, it's not good for you. Um, and so they were all very unhealthy. They had sores that didn't heal. They had heart attacks. You know, their teeth were horrible. Um, and it, and it, she goes into that a lot, like that history. Um, mm. It's just incredible uh, to think about. And so it's like 1958, and Rachel is down by the water, and she finds a baby in the sea grapes, like Ooh. crying its head off. And this is amazing because she had just been um, angry about not having a child, and she's so tired of her husband, like blaming her. And she finds a baby. She names him Mosh, which means Moses. But, um, there's something unusual about Moshe. His skin is translucent. It's almost like he doesn't have skin. Uh, he has two different colored eyes, and as he grows, his hair is blonde in the front and all black in the back. Uh, so he is a very unusual boy. They don't know what race he is. They don't know where he came from. They can't find a girl um, who was pregnant and now is not. They don't, you know, they... They, the police try to figure out, you know, because, like, she finds this baby. She'd like to keep it, but, of course, you know, first, like, whose baby is it? They can't, they, they can't figure out who, who he belongs to. Um, so they get to keep him, and they're not the best parents. They don't get along really well um, still. But the thing that's so unusual about her writing is that it goes back and forth, like, on every page almost. Um, like, she'll be, like, talking about something. She's like, and then... As you know, she's like, which will come back to get him, like when he does this as he's older, or like you know, she mentions that certain characters have passed away, um, and, and like in the same sentence that she's like talking about them being like children. It's it's really unusual and it's beautiful. Um, so Mosh he grows up, and of course he looks very different. So she calls it, I think, like a negative admiration. Like people are afraid of him, curious about him, envious of him, and also horrible to him, like, all at the same time. And so, on his first day of school, he meets Ariane Christie, and they become best friends and soulmates. Like, right up through the present day, um, the book ends in present day around the time of, she calls it, the fall of the empire, the, the time of Donald Trump and Brexit. And so, Ariane sort of watches over him because she because he basically looks like he doesn't have any skin you know and so someone without skin is very vulnerable and she feels like she needs to take care of him his whole life um and then they have a lovely beautiful relationship um and we hear like about his art and what he does with his life um and i said it's as i said it's so unusually structured there's also a lot of um the jamaican patois which is just incredible to read it's so beautiful um, and what happens to them and what happens in Jamaica with history. Cause I think I mentioned it's like, um, four years before Jamaica's independence when, when she finds this baby. Um, and there's like religion and spirituality. It's so unusual and incredible. I don't feel like I'm doing it justice, but I just, <laughs> it's so good. Um, I will say trigger warnings. If you didn't pick up from what I was saying, uh, you know, slavery, assault, assault on children, 
um, child harm, racialized violence, and language. Um, you know, so it, it's a hard-hitting one, but it's so incredible. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about this book. Um, it's A Tall History of Sugar by Cordelia Forbes. Awesome. My last one this week is a threefer, and if you like these or you like the series, it's really more than that. But the first week of October every year is one of my favorites because it's the Best American collections. And um, I have been dipping in and out of the Best American Essays, which is edited by Rebecca Solnit this year, Best American Short Stories, which is edited by Anthony Doerr, and Best American Food Writing, which is a newcomer to the series as of last year. And this year it is edited by Samin Nosrat the most perfect human ever. Uh, these are all really wonderful. Alexander Chi is featured in Best American Essays, along with a bunch of other writers that I've loved. Um, and I don't even, I just like don't want to give any of it away because there are such good little nuggets inside all of this. Um, Best American Essays is probably the one where like, if you read a lot of things online, you're most likely to encounter stuff that you've already read. Like there's a Gia Tolentino piece about incels uh, that's in Best American Essays. Um, but then you also get like exposure to writers that you wouldn't have come across otherwise or that you haven't discovered otherwise, which I think is one of the real gifts of this series every year that like you'll get to read short stories by big name writers, but you'll also read short stories by writers that are brand new to you. And that's this like doorway to discovering the rest of their work or going down their internet rabbit hole of where else they've published. Same with food writing. And there is interesting food writing in so many places. Um, and I think Sabine Nosrat has done a wonderful job editing this collection. These are all so much fun. Of course, there's also like best American sports writing. There are a ton of other best Americans in the series, um, but those three are my favorites, best American essays, short stories, and food writing. And I'm not done with any of them because I am just dipping in and out, bouncing all around, getting tasty little nuggets of great writing of all kinds of varieties. So um, if you're looking out for those, or if you've never tried this series, I would really, really encourage you to do that. They're all out on the same day here on October 1st. So pick those up. All right. So I have this problem. It's plagued me my whole life that whenever oh I go out to eat, like at a, at a restaurant and I find the thing on the menu that I really love, it's inevitable mm -hmm. that they remove it from the menu. Like, oh no. Like it, it's, it's uncanny how often it happens. So of That's course, such a bummer. Yeah. So of course, like my favorite best American was the infographics, which mm -hmm. they did for like two years and then stopped I love that one too. <laughs> I think it was just you and I. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> it must have been. <laughs> oh, yeah, so those are bad. our new books. What are you going to read next? I am going to read Know My Name by Chanel Miller, which you mentioned earlier right. in the show. She was known as Emily Doe during the court case. She was the victim of sexual assault by Brock Turner at Stanford. And then, of course, that was a huge controversy because he was found guilty, but only sentenced to six months. Uh, and then the victim impact statement that she wrote, again, anonymously, got posted on BuzzFeed, and it was explosive. It went like super viral in a bunch of different capacities, and it even resulted in changes in the law in California and in removal, uh, recall uh, of the judge um, from that case. So now she is coming out claiming her story using her own name. And I have not started it yet. I'm going to be reading it over this weekend. But I've heard um, from several folks at Book Riot that the writing is not just powerful, but really beautiful. Um, and that Chanel Miller is, you know, going to be one of the women continuing to change the world, not just by telling her own story, but um, expanding the dialogue that we have around 
around what it is to be a victim of this, around how to change the culture so that this doesn't continue happening uh, to women and girls. And I'm really looking forward to it. I don't expect it to be a fun read, but I think it's going to be an important one. What yeah. about you? I have the new Lily King. Ooh, me too. I just haven't started it yet. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's called Writers and Lovers, and I don't really know much about it other than it, the character. It's like the 1990s, and the character goes back to Massachusetts after the death of her mother, and she's trying to get her life together. Um, but I love that kind of setup. I love Lily King. I love her books. So this was like a... I, I feel drained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, This was a very this was serious a heavy episode. Show. Yeah. There's a lot of heavy stuff in the world, you know, but mm-hmm. it needs to be talked about. So, um, that that's it. We did it. We did it. We made it. Well, if you have thoughts about these books or whatever, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You can find Liberty on Twitter at Miss Liberty or both of us on Instagram. Lib is Franz and Comes Alive, and I am Rebecca Shinsky, S C H I N S K Y. And if you like the show and would drop us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, that is always appreciated and helps other listeners find their way to us. I also want to mention that I'm doing that AMA for like a, a special episode. Um, where you can ask me anything uh, and maybe I'll answer it. Uh, So if you have questions, if you have burning questions, you know, you want to know, like, how do you read so much or what are you, like, 55, you can email us at allthebooks at bookriot.com if you want to know something. It'll be a special episode next month, I think we're planning on doing it. Uh, And... As, and as much as we would love to tell you about more books out today or in general, we don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.